world where most marriages don't go the distance. Perhaps we need a new approach. Romans 12.2 says, says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So this morning, our hope and our prayer for you is this. Our hope and our prayer is that as we come to the scriptures and what God calls us to, that God would begin to challenge some of our assumptions about what makes a healthy relationship, that God would begin to transform uh, the way that we think about the pursuit of our spouse or the pursuit of our future spouse or the way that we raise our kids and and what we instill into them. So that being said, this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. This morning, I want to give you uh, ten questions. And I want to give you basically the top ten questions to ask uh, in pursuit of the two, all right, in pursuit of the two. So, here we go. Question number one. Question number one. Before you even begin to look at to get into a relationship, you need to ask, is Jesus the one in your life? Before you even think about getting a relationship, you have to ask, is Jesus the one in your life? Last week we talked about the one, finding the one, what it means to find the one. That for many of us, the spouse, right? We're t- we, we watch these great love stories all around us about what it means to, to find that one that is so perfect for us, that we spend the rest of our life with, that we fall in love with and grow old with. But that one was never meant to be our spouse or our future spouse, but that Jesus Christ was meant to be the one, and your spouse is meant to be the two. So is he number one? Do you find your purpose, your joy, your satisfaction, your meaning, your destiny in Jesus Christ? Are you fully satisfied in Christ as a single person? Are you fully satisfied in Christ as a single person? Because if you're not, if you're not, and you think that marriage is going to do that for you, you're in for a rude awakening. Because marriage makes things a whole lot more complicated. Um, It's okay, and let me just say this, it's okay to desire to one day be married and and to have a family. Like, that's a very honorable desire. It's a God-given desire. But it's something completely different when you're looking for another person to give you meaning, to give you value, to finally make you feel lovely. Um, I see this a lot in, uh, I see this a lot all the time. Uh, growing up, I saw it. I continue to see it all the time with ladies who got to have a guy, right? You know the kind of ladies I'm talking about? Just got to have a guy in their life all the time. The moment they break up, they're on the prowl. You know, anybody they see with a cross necklace, you know, carrying a Christian book. It's like, he might be the one. He might be the one. And then they break up, and they're like, you know, I just think I need to be single for a while. And then two weeks later, they're right back in a relationship, right? Or guys that are the exact same way. Got to have a lady. Got to have something to do on Friday night. Got to have a way to spend my money, right? I got to have somebody there to make me feel valuable. Um, if that's where you're at, please don't get in a relationship. Because like me, you're going to cause a lot of damage along the way. Are you fully satisfied in Christ as a single person? Is Jesus the one in your life? If so, all right, then we can proceed on to the other questions and begin to ask, all right, is he the one for you? Okay, how about him or her? How about that significant other? Number two, second question. Are you on the same page spiritually? Are you on the same page spiritually? This is so important. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15 says this. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and those who refuse him? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now what in the world is a yoke? Um, some of you know this. If you're familiar with farming, you know exactly what a, what a yoke is. Um, a yoke is basically uh, it's a piece of farming equipment, and it's something that's used to fasten 
two animals together. And so you'd fasten these two animals together and then they pull behind them uh, the farming equipment so you can, you can plow and work a field. Um, and so it's really important that both of those animals um, be the same kind of animal, that they be a similar size. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't work. Uh, there's a verse in the Old Testament that puts it this way. It says, uh, do not yoke together an ox and a donkey. Right? Why? Because it'd be, it'd be cruel. Right? They're, they're completely different animals, completely different sizes. One's clean, one's unclean. Like one is very strong, one is not very strong. Um, one is bigger, one is smaller. They go in very different directions. Do not yoke together an ox and a donkey. Um, this is profound. The King James Version puts it this way. Get this. It says, do not yoke together an ox with an ass. So it's important because I think we can all agree we don't want to be married to an ass. Right? <laughs> Now we're just going to close in prayer. Thank you for coming. All right. <laughs> the point in marriage is that we're created to go in the same direction, right? It's, it's, it's a partnership. Um, and if you put two people in a relationship who believe very differently, it's cruel. It's cruel. And as wonderful as it can be on the front end of marriage uh, and of this relationship, like as n enough as it feels when you, when you love somebody uh, on the back end, uh, you will have more conflict um, than you know what to do with. Because you have two completely different worldviews, right? You bring into this relationship for somebody who follows Christ, somebody who is a Christ follower submitted to Christ. For us, the Bible is what guides our life, right? So we bring in the relationship a completely different belief system and understanding of how we raise kids, how we discipline kids, how we spend our money, how we invest our time, our energy, our creativity. And to be honest, the call on our life as Christ followers is a very radical call, right? It is a very all-inclusive call. It is, we are called to lay down our life to follow Christ. We are called to die to ourselves so that Christ can live in us. Like, we are called to a radical generosity. And you try to, to help some, or go somewhere with somebody uh, who's not called to that, and it just doesn't work, right? Until they experience God's grace in their life, it, they're never going to fully understand. And what ends up happening what ends up happening is sooner or later to keep the relationship together, one of you is going to have to compromise. One of you is going to have to compromise. To make it work, one of you is going to have to compromise. And what ends up happening, sadly, and I've seen this so many times, what ends up happening almost always is it's the Christ follower who ends up compromising. And, and it makes sense. And I think it's because it's just easier to kind of settle into a selfish lifestyle. It's, it's easier, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a very negative kind of brutal way, but it's just easier to kind of kick your feet up, get a nice house in the suburbs, fill it with nice stuff, right? Fill your garage with nice things and just try to enjoy life. But God calls us to so much more. And until they experience that in their life, you're going to try to go two very different directions. And I can tell you, it could be very lonely to feel like the person that you love doesn't understand something that is so deeply personal. I cannot understand why you want to spend your time the way you want to spend it. Like, why you care so much about this thing. And marriage wasn't meant to be that way. It wasn't meant to be lonely. So it's so important. Are you on the same page spiritually? Are you headed in the same direction? Question number three. Are you wholly attracted to them? Are you wholly attracted to them? And along with that, number three, physical attraction. Are you physically attracted to them? Most of us, we don't even have to think about this, but it is important. It's important that you're physically attracted uh, to your spouse. Um, I will tell you that I'm very physically attracted to my spouse. Uh, I always have been. From the moment I saw her, even when I didn't like her across that volleyball net, like, she's cute. Yeah, 
Oh, she's pretty hot. Uh, I'm physically attracted to her. Actually, this last week, it was hilarious. I think it was on Friday. Our three-year-old, our daughter Paige, she walks in, and Megan and I are sitting in the living room. <laughs> and uh, Paige walks in, and we're sitting there, and she comes right up to me. She goes, Daddy, you go in the room and kiss Mommy, and I'll sit here and watch a movie by myself. <laughs> I did not feed her that line, although I will now. <laughs> I, and I turned, to my, I turned to Megan, and I said, you know, I think our daughter is a brilliant girl. I think she's on to something. <laughs> Mom? And she said, uh, see you later, I'm going to get groceries. But physical attraction is, is important. It's a, it's a gift from God. Um, but it's not enough, right? Because inevitably things start to change. Metabolism slows down. The wear and tear of having and raising kids starts to catch up with us. Gravity starts getting the best of us. And things start to change a little bit, right? And as you look ahead to the many years that lay in front of you, uh, at that point, you know, your attraction to your spouse better be uh, more than physical, far more than just physical. So leaves us question number four, are you personally attracted to them? Are you personally attracted to them? Are you attracted to who they are as a person? One of the things that drew me to Megan from day one, uh, or maybe I should say day two, <laughs> uh, from day two is that as we started spending time together, we were best friends. I mean, we became best friends, and I am fully convinced that even if we had not been attracted to one another, we would have been best friends. Like, I absolutely loved spending time with her. I laughed more with Megan than I've ever laughed with anybody else. I loved her zest and for life, right? I loved her joy. I loved her work ethic. Like, I loved her ability to take every single day as it comes, no matter what happened, no matter how bad, and to make the most of it. I loved, I loved everything about her. I loved the life that she had and how it just happened to like, somehow rub off on everybody around her. Like, I was so attracted to who she was as a person. But you got to ask, are you attracted to them as a person? Are you attracted to them personally? Number five, are you mentally attracted to them? Right, do you enjoy talking to one another, spending time together, learning from one another? Um, here's a question. Here's a theoretical question for you. If sexual intimacy was completely taken out of your relationship and it was no longer able to be a part of your relationship, would you still be drawn to them as you are now? Right, if you can no longer have sex, which on the side note, would suck. All right? Sex is great. As a married man, I will say, it's like pizza, right? When it's hot, it's great. When it's cold, it's still good. Yeah. Right? But if that was taken away and you can no longer have that as a part of your relationship, would you still be drawn to them as you are now? Um, yesterday, uh, actually yesterday I was talking to my father-in-law and uh, he was sharing with me about a close friend of the family. And uh, he lives in Colorado, very healthy guy, very active guy, um, midlife, empty nester, but, but very active, very healthy. And um, he was just in his bedroom. Um, his wife was in the other room and said, hey babe, I'm, I'm really hurting, my chest hurts. And had a, this really massive heart attack and she came running in, and he hit the floor. She called 911, and by the time that the paramedics got there, like he, his heart had stopped beating for several minutes, so he was, he was gone. Um, but they started working on him and were actually able to resuscitate him and bring him back. And, uh, and he's actually alive, and, and this just happened very recently. Um, and the doctor told him, look, because you're in such great physical condition, you're going to make it, you're going to live. 
but your heart is very weak. So you can't be up hiking in the mountains. Uh, you cannot exercise. And he said, and as much as you love your wife, you cannot have sex anymore because it could kill you. To which I thought, what a way to go. You know? <laughs> That'd be a great way to bow out. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but for him, uh, as much as he loves his wife, the doctor said, like, this is not a part of your relationship anymore. You can't do this anymore. And theoretically, for you, if that was to happen, would your relationship with your significant other fall apart, with your spouse, right, as you think about your future spouse? Right? If you no longer had that, is that the glue that's holding it together? Because that's not going to last. If that was taken away, would you still want to be with them? Would you still want to spend the rest of your life with them because you love them uh, so much? Spiritually, number six, are you attracted to them spiritually? This is something that I don't think a lot of couples really think through and talk through, um, but are you attracted to them spiritually? Do you find yourself attracted to their love that they have for Jesus Christ? Ladies, is he the kind of guy you want setting the spiritual climate of your home? Is he the kind of guy you want leading your family spiritually? You want investing in your children, right? Setting the pace. Are you attracted and drawn to the way that he serves Christ with his life? Like when you're around him, do you find yourself increasing, increasing in your passion for God? Or do you find yourself compromising? When you're with him, do you find yourself wanting to run after Jesus Christ with everything that you are? Or do you find yourself being a shortcut a little bit? Actually stepping away from Jesus Christ. Guys, do you find yourself attracted to her godly character? Um, does it feel like when you're around her that somehow, some way that you're actually closer to God, that you're more connected to who God is and what he's doing? Do you see the Holy Spirit at work in her life? Right? Are you attracted to them spiritually? Number seven, this is an important one too, another one that a lot of couples don't talk about. Are you attracted to them financially? Are you attracted to them financially? Are you on the same page with the kind of lifestyle that being married would mean for you both. Um, there is a, there's a couple that's a part of this mosaic, uh, this community mosaic, and they're, they're a couple of my favorite people in the world. And uh, I knew them before they, they found each other, and it's been so fun to find them, find one another, and fall in love, and uh, they're going to get married here in just a couple months. And uh, they're getting ready to get married, and... Um, this has been a big part of their conversation, and I think it is so cool because it's such a great picture of what it means to be on the same page financially. And they've been starting to look through their budget and look at, you know, realistically what kind of lifestyle it, they, it means for them to, to live together. And uh, they started looking at houses, and uh, if you've ever gone shopping for houses, like, it's a lot of fun, especially as you're, like, just as first time as a family. Like, this is going to be maybe where we raise our kids. It's going to be our first place where we establish our home as a family, and they began shopping around, looking around, and, and ultimately decided, you know, that for them to purchase a home would mean that they could no longer live generously, that it would be, it cut them too tight, and they could not uh, invest in people the way that they want to invest in people. Um, and so what they ended up deciding is, you know what, we're just going to share a, a very small duplex and make it work so that we can continue to live generously. And almost in the same, at the same time, they made another decision. Um, you got to understand, he, uh, he pulls the trailer that has all this stuff in there. So every Sunday, like everything you see in here, comes in on a, a very full trailer, and we take it all out, and we set it all up. It's a very heavy trailer, and it's been tearing apart his truck. Like his truck is just not built to pull that kind of weight. So at the same time as they decided, you know what, we're not going to buy a house, they decided, you know what, but we are going to 
invest and purchase a, a pickup, a truck that is capable of pulling all that equipment because we believe so much in Mosaic and we want to invest in what God is doing there, right? It's huge, huge. It's a great example of what it means to be attracted to someone financially when it doesn't mean having excess and having all the things that you want. Are you attracted to them financially? Guys, can you provide for the lifestyle that she expects, right? If she's a gold digger, make sure you got enough gold, right? I mean, it's important. It is. If you find a great gal, but she is not going to be satisfied in the kind of lifestyle, the kind of income that you can provide for her, uh, she's not your gal. Don't go there. Don't go there. You'll regret it later. Proverbs 29, 11 is great. I love the book of Proverbs. It has a lot of marriage advice. Solomon had a lot of wives. Uh, so there's a lot of verses about marriage. Um, and uh, Proverbs 29:11, he says, he says this. He says, It is better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. It is better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. There's a lot of them in there. He's like, you know, he talks about it is having a, living with a nagging, quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a, in a rainstorm, you know, or something like that. Or it's like, he says, uh, you know, it's better to live in the desert, you know, than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. You don't want to go there. I love the Bible. Good stuff in there. Good practical stuff. Um, and money is one, and I say that because money is statistically the number one source of conflict in marriage. So it is so important that you're on the same page financially. Are you attracted to them financially? Number eight. Number eight. What do your close Christian friends and family think about them in your relationship? What do your close Christian friends and family think about them and your relationship? Let's start with friends. Right? Are your close Christian friends supportive? Do they affirm that this guy or this gal is a person of good character? That they hang out with the right kind of people? That they love Jesus first? That they have a good reputation? That they're a good fit for you. Friends are a great source for reconnaissance work. Take advantage of it. Um, do they affirm that he or she is a good fit for you? Listen to your friends. Love is blind, right? And hormones are intoxicating. And a blind, intoxicated person is not the person you want behind the wheel of a relationship, right? You want as many eyes to help you see things as possible. My, uh, my best friend, who was later my best man, uh, he was my roommate when I met Megan. And uh, he had a crush on Megan for years. And uh, they had grown up together, and he always, like, they, he always was hoping it kind of would work out between them. And he would not introduce me to Megan. Like, he would talk about her all the time, and, and they'd hang out and stuff, and he would not introduce us. And so finally, I was just like, dude, what's the, what's the, what's the deal? She sounds like a great girl. What? Well, how come I have not met her yet? You know, he's like, ah, you won't like her. I was like, well, it's not working out between you two. Maybe I will, you know? And he's like, no, she's not your type, you know? It's just not going to work. So I kept digging. I was like, what's the deal? Like, is there some character defect, you know? Like, how come she's good for you but not for me? Like, what's the deal? Uh, and finally, he just came out. He said, he said, her butt is too big for your taste. It's not going to work. That's what he said. We, we still laugh about it. Her butt is too big for your taste. Right, I don't know where he got that. I should have known something was up when he said that. But later he, he found out, uh, he told us that, um, that he knew that either we would hate one another or we would fall in love and he'd never see either one of us again. Uh, you know, he was kind of right, right? We fell in love and he saw us, but he was invested. And the cool thing is, is when we started pursuing one another, uh, he was a part of the process, right? As much as I think he didn't want it to happen at first, like he was a part of the process and he cared about Megan. They're very good friends. He and I are best friends. So for us, there was no surprises, 
right? And we were constantly asking people, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? This is moving kind of fast. I'm pretty crazy about this girl. Do you think it's a good fit? These are the conversations we're having. Um, what do your friends think? I knew that when my God-honoring friends were 100% supportive that we, were, that we were headed in the right direction. We were headed in a good direction. Um, secondly, what does your family think about them? Right? When you marry, remember, you don't just marry an individual, you marry a family. Um, In-laws. That's why they're the standing joke. Right? It's serious. It happens. There's a lot of conflict there. Um, what do you think of your family? What does her family think of you? Um, if the entire family is against the idea of you being with that person, don't go there. Don't go there. You will pay for that later. And uh, it's funny, every now and then, you know, I hear you know, some gal and there's conflict in the family because she's with a guy she shouldn't be with and everybody in the family is telling her, he's not good for you, this is a bad move, you know, and she's just like, no, we're in love, I don't care that dad doesn't respect him and mom doesn't like him and my brother thinks he's a bum and my sister thinks he's a jerk. Like, I know him, we're in love, we're going to make it, right? Romeo and Juliet's family didn't understand, you know, well, they killed each other in the end, right? <laughs> didn't end well for them, right? Listen to your friends and family. Proverbs 15.22 is so good. It says, uh, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors uh, they succeed. You want as many people as possible, people that you trust, people that you love, people that love Christ and can help, can help spiritually direct your relationship to speak into your relationship. Number nine, ladies. Ladies, this is important. How does he talk about his mother when she's not around? And how does he treat her when she is? How does he talk about her when she's not around? How does he treat her when she is? In Exodus 22, when God is laying out the foundation uh, for what's going to be his people, and he's giving them direction and guidance in how they are to live, uh, he says this to his people. He says, Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. All right? Does he honor his mother? Does he go out of his way to honor her when she's not around? If he does, chances are he'll honor you. Right? Does he serve her? Does he go out of his way to help her? Does he love her? Is he affectionate towards her? If he is, great. You can expect him to treat you the same way. Or does he dishonor her? Right? Does he expect her to clean up after him like he's still 10 years old? Right? Does he expect her to continually go out of her way to serve him? Does he disrespect her? Is he cold towards her? Is he distant towards her? It's important. If that's how he treats his mother, that's how you can treat him or expect him to treat you. If that's how he treats his mom, don't touch that guy with the 10-foot pole. You don't want anything to do with him. How does he treat his mother? Does he honor her? All right, number 10. Number 10. If you're in a relationship right now or one day you hope to be, ask yourself, are you believing any cultural lies? Are you believing any cultural lies? Are you taking your cues from what you see modeled around you and the culture at large about what is appropriate in premarital relationships, are you allowing the truth of the scriptures to shape the way that you think and act? Right? Are you looking to scripture and, and the Holy Spirit and to your godly friends to shape you right, as you seek first what God desires for you in dating and in marriage? Right? Or instead, are you looking to magazines and talk shows, right, media and pornography, and friends who, frankly, don't really want anything to do with God or what he desires. Right? What are you feeding in your, into yourself? What are you allowing to shape you? What's your standard? Is it God's standard? Um, or is it something else? And uh, I saved this one for, for the last question just because this is one of those areas that I see so many couples knowingly choose, Christian couples who know better, 
I see so many of them knowingly choose to disobey God in this area. And when it comes to dating, I see many Christians uh, who choose to settle for what, um, what they want right now. They lower their standard, and uh, they pay for it later. And I think what most people don't realize is that, is that it sets the precedent, the precedent for your future marriage. It sets the precedent for your future marriage, and it doesn't just go away when you get married. Um, for Megan and I, just to be as transparent as possible, um, this was one of those areas that was really tough for us. And um, for us, my wife wanted me to make sure I shared that, uh, that when we were married, uh, we actually were both virgins, which is great. Um, and uh, actually, probably one of the things I'm most proud of, because um, it was hard, right? But we didn't, like, cross the finish line like this, you know, in victory. Like, we were broken and bloody and kind of rolled across the finish line. Um, because for us, purity in our relationship was so incredibly hard. And on the good side, right, the, on the good side, the fact is, like, when you absolutely love somebody, right, especially when you're engaged, right, she's wearing my ring, I'm committed to her, I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her, um, there's the good part of that that just naturally wants to move into um, things that are reserved for the covenant of marriage. Right, that's the good side. The bad side is that it affects your marriage and affects that relationship for a long time afterwards. And that's what I didn't get. I thought, I thought if we can just make it until we're married, right? If we can just get there, uh, everything will be okay, right? I remember I was at a bachelor party not too long ago uh, with a Christian guy, and, and at the end of the night, he pumped his fist. He was like, all right, guilt-free sex, you know? I was like, yeah, but there's more to it than that, you know what I mean? He was, and it was the same exact mentality. It's like, if I can just get there, if I can just get there, um, finally we can enter into this covenant relationship and everything will be okay. But what I didn't realize is that, that tying the knot doesn't undo what you've already built in that relationship. It doesn't undo it. Right? I didn't understand that, that as a Christ follower, if I'm choosing to put my relationship with this person I care about first, over and over and over again, that in that relationship, I'm developing a pattern of disobedience. And I am setting the spiritual climate of my relationship with my future spouse. And for me, after we got married, to be completely honest, I felt like, I mean, I felt like I had destroyed my credibility, you know, as the husband, right, as the, the spiritual leader of my home. I felt, I, w I would venture to say for at least two years, I felt like I was trying to earn back the credibility that I had forfeited, that I was trying to earn back the respect, right? Because it's not like you start with a completely blank slate when you get married, and that's what I didn't get. I thought, it was, you know, it's this beautiful thing, we're starting together, it's brand new, and there's some truth to that, but it's a slate that we've already been shaping and, and writing on for a long time. Um, so if I'm continually putting her before God, uh, we don't just get married and all of a sudden I'm leading her in prayer and we're opening up the scriptures together. Right? I don't just wake up one morning and I have the spiritual authority uh, to lead my family well. Right? I don't just have the moral authority uh, one day. And that was huge for me. Right? I didn't understand that. Right now, in relationship, if you're in a relationship, right, look at the relationship and ask yourself, what kind of patterns do you see there? Right? Are there, is it a God-honoring pattern? Right? Is, is it, are you building it in a Christ-centered way? Or is it something else? 
It's just something else, because eventually it ends up catching up with us. Eventually, eventually the, the truth comes out, right, about, about what is most important to us. It affects everything, right? What, uh, Jesus said it this way, right? He said, those who heed my words right, are like a, a man who built his house on a rock, and the rains came and the floods came and are still standing. But those who ignore my words are like he who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, the floods came, and the house didn't stand. As you look at your relationship, if you're not in a relationship, right, rewind back. Right, think about the patterns in past relationships. If those patterns would have worked out, and you fast forward five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, is that a healthy relationship? Is that a God-honoring, Christ-centered relationship? Or is it something else? Or is it something else? For those, uh, for those who are married, um, for those who are married, I just want to encourage you uh, in the sense that we serve a God who is in the business of taking things that are broken, things that are, that are messed up, things that are imperfect, and creating them, making them into something beautiful. Right? That is the essence of the gospel. That is the business that God is in. And it is never too late to build your house on a rock. Right? It is never too late to start over again. Same is true if you're in a dating relationship. The same is true if you've been in past dating relationships. And like me, you've got a rough history. It is never too late to start over. It is never too late for God to do an incredible, beautiful work in your life and in your marriage. This list that we're talking about this morning, it's not exhaustive, right? It's, it's not all the questions that you should ask, but I think it's a good start. I think it's a good start. But if I were to boil it down to the most simple most simple advice that I could give would be this. Be run after Jesus as hard as you can, as fast as you can. Anything that gets in the way, throw it off, right? As Hebrew 12 says it, run after Jesus, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You want to know how to find the two Run after Jesus with everything that you are, with reckless abandon. And if at some point you look to your right and you see somebody there running in the same direction, decide to run the rest of the way together. It's that simple. All right? Let's pray. Father God, I pray over the relationships that are represented in this room. God, I ask that you would do what you promised to do. God, that you would begin a work inside of us that would find its way out. That, God, you would renew our minds and transform the way that we think. That we wouldn't walk out of this room, that we wouldn't turn off this podcast feeling nothing but a sense of of guilt and condemnation because that's not the point. The point is that, God, a better way is possible that you desire more for us, that you desire to use our relationship with our spouse or with our future spouse in a way that transforms lives, in a way that impacts eternity, that the stakes are too high to settle for something so temporary. So God, I ask ask for healing where healing is needed. God, I ask for a fresh start for those of us who need to take a step back, get on our knees, commit our lives, recommit our lives to you 
and say, God, take my marriage, take my relationship with my spouse, do with it as you will. Help me to lead my home. Help me to better serve my children in a way that honors you. God, for those in this room who are single and hope to one day be married, Father God, I pray that you would continue what you started, that you would start on the inside transforming our character, transforming what we care about, moving us into a place where we can experience all that you have for us. Father God, I pray on behalf of of my marriage and so many represented in this room, Father God, that you would finish what you started, that you would bring healing where healing is needed, God, that you would fill us with your presence, with your spirit, and that you would help us to step up and to lead our families well, to raise children who serve you and you alone, who love you. God, we love you. And we thank you for second chances and third chances and 56 chances. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, we are going to... uh